You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Tonight we're going into our next lesson of uh, A Love That Lasts, and thank you for joining us. This is uh, uh, built on uh, a series that I did for our, or I should say a paper that I did for my capstone. Ushers will help pass out the notes if you haven't already received those. The notes are at the back there. Take a copy. And um, this, uh, this small groups is going to go for uh, 12 weeks and a 13th week of celebration. And so everyone that's watching online tonight or joining us by, by way of the phone, we thank you for joining us and being part of our uh, small groups tonight here at Mission Point. And because of the, obviously, um, the information, there's a lot of information, but there's some notes for you there, some fill in the blanks, and we're trying to uh, make sure everyone has uh, information going forward. And so if you, if you get a copy of that, um, then you can obviously uh, fill in the blanks as we go. And I'll try my best to make sure that you have all of the information that's uh, needing to be provided. Um, the, first, the first section of our, our small groups of A Love That Last, of uh, the, the six lessons, I've broken them up into three, three sections, uh, a love and respect of God, a love and respect of yourself, and a love and respect of others. And so we're doing lesson two tonight of a love and respect of God. And so what we did, that whole area of topic is around the, the title of biblical training for children. So there's uh, different aspects of training. Uh, and um, the first section takes in the two lessons of biblical training of children. So we're going to pick up our, our uh, text and scripture passage tonight uh, again in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And uh, last week we focused on uh, verses 4 and 5. And tonight we're picking up from verses 6 to 9. Verse 6, it says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You uh, shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Uh, So tonight, um, we're going into this second part of the training. And so it's really the when and the where of uh, of, of the training part. So we'll start with some information. First of all, the brain. Uh, the brain is the command center of the human body. Um, a newborn baby uh, has all of the brain cells that they will have for the rest of their life. They have it when they're born. Uh, but it is the connection between those cells that really make the brain work. And so the idea is, okay, the brain cells are there, but not all the connections have been made. 
And so the brain connections enable us to move, to think, to communicate, and to do just about everything, according to Hurd and, and, and Garris. Uh, those early childhood years are, are crucial for um, making the necessary connections. So those necessary connections, again, as I stated to you last week, 70% of everything we know is by age five. 70%. So at least one million, hear this now, one million neural connections are made every second. Every second. More than at any other time in life. And so when, this, when these early childhood years uh, are happening for, for a, a child that's learning 70% of what they ever know, one million connections are made every second. These connections start right from birth. So children uh, develop uh, brain connections through their everyday experiences. They are built through positive interactions with their parents and caregivers, uh, and by using their senses to interact with the world. So if, if we just looked at that point alone, you would see how important it is as family members, as parents, to put every bit of effort into that newborn child up to age five to know that right from birth, that this amount of connection is being made. A young child's daily experiences determine which brain connections develop and which will last for a lifetime. So what happens on a daily basis with a child will, will actually determine what the rest of their life will be like. The rest of their life. It's incredible. Uh, Dr. Clay Jackson states that over the past three decades, there is an emerging understanding of the links between adverse childhood experiences and negative health effects later in life. It's interesting to know that some things that happened in the developing of a child actually has an effect on the person's health down the road. Some of the health issues people are dealing with is uh, in connection to what happened as a child. That's absolutely crucial for us uh, in training children or grandchildren to know that you're not only just affecting the now, you're also affecting possible health issues and negative health effects in the future. There is a correlation to chronic pain according to Dr. Jackson's studies, with negative conditions or experiences in childhood. A connection. Including physical and sexual abuse, neglect, humiliation, parental separation, divorce, or incarceration. All of these things has an effect on a child. So, for example, if something happens that a child is abandoned, in uh, early years of life. It affects their lives for the rest of their life until they deal with it. It has an incredible effect. So it's not just, uh, well, this happened when, when, 
you know, Susie was two. No, no, this, this has got a lifetime effect until healing is brought. So parents who give attention, attention, as well as respond and interact with their child are literally building the child's brain. That attention to the child is, is for the rest of their life in building that brain. So that's why it's so important to, to talk, to sing, to read, to play with young children from the day that they're born to give them opportunities to explore. Uh, so that's opportunities. Give them opportunities to explore their physical world and to pr provide safe, stable, and a nurturing environment. Uh, and, you, well, it, you know, some will say, well, you know, they're just a baby. They're taking in every bit of attention that you're giving to them, and you are building uh, the connections for um, their lifetime. Uh, children, uh, children who uh, experience more positive interactions in their early years go on to be healthier and more successful in school and in life, according to Hurd and Garris. So those, those um, assurances of a, of a, a mother or father or grandparents or whatever, or guardians with their child actually affects learning, life skills, social skills, dealing with people. It has an effect right from birth. So the scripture passage that I read to you in Deuteronomy gives us guidance uh, when teaching and training are necessary. So when is the teaching and the training necessary? If, this, uh, if, if these things happen from the day the child's born, what's the scripture tell us about when and where? First of all, when to teach. Uh, when to teach is... Um, is, is uh, in the passage that we read. Number one, diligent, or teaching diligently while rising up. Of course, that's what we would know as morning time. Say, well, you know, I'm not a morning person. Child's learning. The child's learning. No matter, the child's learning when you are in the morning. Teaching diligently, the Bible says, while sitting. That's concentration time. Teaching diligently while walking. That's activity time. And teaching diligently while lying down. That's nighttime. So if you see those four examples that are given in Scripture, morning, uh, while your uh, concentration time, activity time, or nighttime, there is no point of the day when we're not teaching. None. Everything is... Uh, everything is being picked up by that child of the actions of, of the parents, the guardian, the grandparents, whoever is overseeing the child at that time. Uh, I will put, uh, I think, a little nugget in here just so that uh, it, is, it is recognized as a very important point. It, don't, it, you know, if you've got children and, and because of work schedules or whatever, they have to go to a daycare. Don't just look for one with an opening. It needs to be one that's going to be profitable to making the right connections 
to, uh, for that child. This is not just, uh, well, you know, I need, I, need, I need a place to let my child be while I'm at work. No, no, it's way more than that. In the morning, concentration, activity, nighttime, they are learning. They are learning. Um, the writer of Deuteronomy clarifies in verse 6 that the commands are to be in our hearts. Uh, these words convey a very different view of the Old Testament than, than a legalistic view. The Old Testament believer was to consider, uh, to meditate on, and to remain conscious of God's Word at all times. So, no matter what interactions happening in a day, there is a way to bring Scripture into, into that interaction. Okay, the child is able, they, listen, they're not going to memorize and be able to comprehend fully the whole verse and all that. But there's, there's something that can be brought into a situation of, of, uh, of taking maybe a small portion of a, of a story from the Word of God and explaining this is what it was like. This is what's happening right now. This is what it's like. Okay? Um, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, discussing revelation with them. <laughs> That's not what this is about. This is about age-appropriate conversation that uh, there should never be a time where we're not considering meditating or being conscious of the Word of God in the morning, in concentration time, activity time, or at night time. Uh, to teach diligently meant to repeat over and over again. To reiterate what has already been taught Doing a thing again and again. Don't, don't think, well, uh, you know, the children don't want to hear that again. If this, this is what um, is so interesting about a child. You get a video, and they will watch that same video a hundred times. And, and really not get bored of it. Uh, you'll say, well, do you want me to put in another one? No, I want this one. It's the one they just watched ten times in a row. Okay, that's, that's, that's a... So don't, don't think you telling the same story, giving the same illustration, that that's boring to a child. No, that interaction, the meditation on the Word of God is what is the most important. So, <coughs> excuse me, repeating again and again. This would be like... The wetting or sharpening an instrument, which is done by reiterated friction or grinding. It's a continual process. And so we see here the spirit of this divine injunction. God's testimonies must be taught to our children, and the utmost diligence must be used to help them understand these teaching. This was a very difficult task. I'm not telling you that it's easy. It requires, it requires uh, uh, much patience, much prudence. Those are the next two words, patience and prudence. Much judgment and much piety in the parents uh, to enable them to do this important work in the most effectual manner. Um, it's not easy work to be continually training. 
It's not. But if we get in our heads that our children, our grandkids, the people that God has put in our care, that they are learning such a large majority of what they will ever know, and a million connections are being made in their brain every second, that's hard to even fathom. And to understand that what they are repeatedly given as information is what is taking stock in their lives, then we realize, we start to realize how important it is. Yes, it's not easy work, but it's absolutely necessary. Necessary. The family, according to biblical principles, was to focus on nurturing their children. Nurturing. At the center of a family with such a focus was a father and a mother who loved God and took his words to heart. So this is not something that you can teach but not do. This comes from the heart that the child can pick up as they, it, they don't have to be very old to start picking up uh, if it's sincere to you or not. Okay, so um, mothers and daughters worked together in the home while sons worked with their fathers. Parents had many opportunities to impress God's words on their offspring explaining the things that they did and the choices they made as responses to God's Word. So it's important as parents to say, this is why we do what we do. Okay, this is, this is the wrong way. You do it just because. <laughs> that's, that ain't, that's, not, that's not the right way. Well, why do I have to do this, Dad? Because I said so. No, that's not the right way. That's not the teaching or an understanding. There is an understanding that they need to have. They need to know the reason. Okay? And I know it's easy at times just to say, because I'm your father and you're the child and you're going to do what I tell you, that, that, ain't, that ain't helping. That's not giving them the instruction. That's uh, that diligently teaching morning, concentration time, activity time, and lying down time is to take the time for them to understand why. Why? Second um, Timothy chapter 3, 14 says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, and, uh, knowing from whom ye have learned them. Verse 15. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Um, Philo, writing in the New Testament times, says, Children are taught, so to speak, from their swaddling clothes uh, by their parents. They're, they are taught, so to speak. And he said, listen, uh, and of course, this is someone writing about the New Testament, Philo, he's saying right from birth, they are learning how to talk. Not just in words that we would understand. Well, you know, their first word is mom or dad or whatever. No, no, this is, this is what their language skills are going to be. Right from birth. Um, by, the, by their parents, by their teachers, and by those who bring them up. Even before instruction in the sacred laws and the unwritten customs to believe in God, 
the one father and creator of the world, according to Richards, he was, he was just actually reiterating what Paul had already spoken about in Timothy when he said, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. That's, that's long before a child can learn to, uh, learn to read. That's you and I. So that was a continual, uh, that was continual from infancy where we're putting the Scripture into the child, the grandchild, the, the person that's in your care. See, the question of when to teach can be simple, simplified as such. At home, as well as abroad, and the beginning and the ending of each day. If you're looking at those four examples, basically there is no time when there shouldn't be teaching going on. Because if we're not intentional about it, they're still learning. Okay, if, if it's... If it's their time is in, in, in front of um, something, watching something, they're learning. If their time is spent with people um, that don't have the same values as you, they're still learning. They're still learning. It's absolutely crucial to understand that throughout the whole day, they are learning. So when to teach is uh, in the morning, concentration time, activity time, and night time. The second part is where, where to teach. Um, the teaching, um, according to Scripture, and I'm only going according to Scripture here, is noticeable in four different areas, four areas. Um, this is what it says. A sign on your hand, frontlets between your eyes, doorposts of your house, and on your gates. Sometimes we read that and it's, 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 uh, it, it kind of maybe doesn't have a clear picture of what all those things mean. But when it says uh, on your hand, between your eyes, uh, on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, obviously that has, that's critical information for us as parents, grandparents, guardians, whatever the case is, to know where to teach the when and the what. Okay, symbols, symbols on hands and forehead, such as headbands and armbands, they were common accessories in the Syro-Palestine. Uh, though there was no graphic evidence proving Israelites uh, wore them, uh, according to Walton and Matthews and Shavalah, there is also evidence that symbols worn on the forehead or arm were used as indicators of loyalty to a particular deity. So this was a custom of the day. The custom was that they, they were able to uh, exemplify what God they were following. And so the understanding of the day was they would be able to clearly understand who they had as their God. Well, um, when we look at those symbols, then we, okay, what is it about them? See, the requirements uh, of inscriptions on the door frames and the gates could function either to preserve the continuity of life 
in positive ways, contributing to a mutually beneficial relationship with deity, or to prevent negative consequences of dangerous situations. So this is how they thought. This is, if I have a connection with a God, this is going to help me through the challenges of life. That was, that was not just the Israelites that had an understanding. This was, this was all types of culture. If there is a connection with a deity of some sort, this is what's going to help us through dangerous situations. So when Moses is writing in Deuteronomy, they understand. They understand what he's writing. The writer, uh, Moses, explains how the teaching is most noticeable. It is highlighted by the frequency, frequency in which one reads the Word of God. So this was not something they did once a month to let people know who they served. No, this was, this was something that they did According to last week's lesson, especially when they started with the Shema, this was something they did every day. As the child grew, they did it twice a day. So the understanding behind this is, is it's the frequency that you and I are involved in the Word of God that helps us with the where. It's not just at church. We're going to learn about each of these. It's not just at church or it's not just uh, in a difficult situation that, well, I, I, I need an answer. No, no, no. The frequency is built on a daily basis. The consistency of the reader of the Word of God develops a reminder within a person's life or as the writer of Deuteronomy explains, a sign upon one's hand. So, you know, you've heard, you've heard something like this. People tying a, a string on their finger to try to remember something. Then they have to remember what the string represents. You've heard, you've heard something like that. Well, now, there's no strings on people's fingers, more than likely. But very quickly, they put a little note in their phone. I see Brother Robertson doing it all the time. I'm giving him things that needs to be done, and he's, he's got that in there so that he can trust himself that he doesn't forget what he's been asked to take care of. So, you know, it's the idea is the same principle, okay? Um, when you look at what the principle was uh, in Deuteronomy, it was to put a sign on your hand, a reminder. We could jump. Centuries and centuries ahead, and, and uh, people were using a string. Now they got their phone. The idea, the principle is the same. What's the principle? The principle is, so, so you have, this is what happens in people's lives now. They got alarms going off when they need to do things. Or reminders. Could be as simple as, you know, I, I, it's church time, or it's a reminder. It's the same principle. The idea is, is it to be so consistent that it becomes so frequent that it's every day. That's how important this training is. 
It's, it's not, well, you know, I've, I got a few, a couple hours on Saturday I'll spend with the children or grandchildren or whatever. No, 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 this is, this is a daily deal. They're learning the majority of what they will know for life. So in addition, there are to be reminders as frontlets between the eyes, posts, and gates of the house. Um, you can imagine what, they're, what they were doing with this information. God, Moses is writing it, and, and um, they've got an understanding that this is the Shema. You're to do it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the most important thing you're going to do. And you're going to do it in the morning and that concentration time and activity time and night time. Now, we need a reminder that we don't forget. Okay? That's, that's the idea. So it's probable that at that time there were obviously very few written copies of the whole law. Very few. Uh, in many cases, people would have only had access to read them possibly at the Feast of Tabernacles. So therefore, God appointed His people to, to at least for the present, notice now, write them or write some select sentences or scripture of the law that were weighty and comprehensive upon their walls or in the scrolls of parchment to be worn ab about their wrists. So what they did was, you know, we, we kinda, we're kind of spoiled. We're spoiled. You know, uh, I don't want to show hands because I don't want to know how many people actually brought their Bible tonight. Now we have phones and, oh, you know, we'll just take it for granted that, you know, the, the, it's going to be working on the, on the overhead. <laughs> They'll put it up there. You see what I'm saying? What they did was they had, they had scrolls, parchment around their wrists of important pieces of information that they had access to on a continual basis. Um, you know, and, and I, I understand. Listen, I, I've got the phone. I've got the Bible on my phone. I'm not against that. Okay, don't. But I, I have Bibles also everywhere. My car at home, in the living room, in the bedroom, a whole bunch of my office. I want, I want to have access to that word at any moment. Any moment. You don't know when you're going to need the word. And if, it, if, if the scripture you're looking for or the scripture you need is not already memorized and in your heart, you, you, mean that you, you may need to take out the Bible and say, I, I've got to have... That scripture right now, that's similar to what they were given as instruction of putting that around their hand. Uh, when the Bible came to be more common, there was less uh, occasion for, uh, for this expedient. The first reformers of the English church, when Bibles were scarce, would select portions of scripture to be written on the walls and the pillars of the churches. So up to, it's hard for us to uh, realize this now because Bibles are so freely accessible. They weren't always. 
And so what they would do is they, they went from not only around the, the wrists, but then they started putting them on the walls and pillars of churches. People coming in that maybe didn't have access to a Bible would get to see Scripture. The intent being that, that we uh, should endeavor by all means possible to make the Word of God familiar to us. It should be so familiar that it's the first thing we think of. Well, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to try to find that answer on Google. I'm, I, I've, I've got a scripture for you for that. Familiar word of God. That, that we may have it ready to us upon all occasions for our restraint from sin and our direction and excitement to our duty. Walton Matthews and Chevalis. That's, that's, uh, this should be, uh, it should be the first thing you and I think of. So when it comes to our training of children, and the children says, why, mommy, why is this? The idea would be, I'm going to come up with a biblical reference to give illustration of why. There is nothing in life that you won't find the answer in the Word of God. And so it should be that automatically, that's what comes. It's, the, it's what has been around our wrists. It's on the frontlet of our eyes. It's on the doorpost of our house. It's on the gates of the house. No matter where you went and where you lived, you're finding the Word of God. And I tell you, there is absolutely nothing more powerful than His Word. Nothing. This is what our children... Listen, I, I'm not against PJ Maxx. If you don't have grandchildren, maybe you don't know that what that is. I'm not against PJ Maxx, but do they know of, of the Bible characters? Do they know of the stories? I've been teaching at Bible college for, um, well, close to 20 years or a little more than 20 years now. And I'm shocked at times to know people and some people that have grown up in the church and they have, they don't have an understanding yet of the basic Bible stories. I remember one time, it wasn't in my class, but someone was asked the question of what type of wood the ark was made out of, Noah's ark. And he put an answer of plywood. That's not enough scripture. That's not enough scripture learning to use plywood. It's, um, it's just, it should be the first thing we go to and the first thing that comes to our mind of where to learn the lesson from. Okay, that's, it's crucial, it's key. So I'm going to end tonight. Um, and uh, this last section is um, the practical ways to determine when and where to teach children. Um, 
Number one, implement the word of God at the beginning of each day, explaining the scripture in an age-appropriate terms. There's, there's a reason for that. Um, first of all, everybody is fresh in their minds at the beginning of a day, including a child. A child has the incredible ability to have on their mind what has just happened at the beginning of the day. So a little story, a little scripture, a small age-appropriate thing from the Word of God will be something they will think on throughout the whole day. Remember, millions of connections are being made. Million. Every second. So they're thinking out the process of what they've been told when they wake up, what they've been told at a very early age or very early in the morning or whatever the case is. They're thinking about that process. And they're, they'll come out with questions throughout the day. Well, what about this? What about this? Did this happen? A raven fed Elijah? Can a raven feed me, mummy? Um, I went through this process. I may have told the story before. I never, ever remember all the stories that I've told, but it's all right. I'll tell it again anyway. So I think Miranda was about seven or so, and we were on one of our father-daughter dates, and Miranda was inquisitive about certain things, and so she asked the question. She said, Daddy, why do you work so much? I thought I'm going to take her on a long journey of why. So I started, well, well, if dad doesn't work, he doesn't get any money. And if we don't get any money, then, you know, we won't, there won't be any money in the bank. And if there's no money in the bank, we won't be able to buy food. And if we buy, don't be able to buy food, the food in the house is going to run out. And I went through this whole process until I ended with starving to death. And she piped up and she said, Dad, you'd last a long time, wouldn't you? That was her understanding of what I was explaining to her. If, if a question comes out and you're told, telling the story of the raving feeding Elijah, that's miraculous. That's not, that's not some story. That's actually what happened. Okay, the raven fed Elijah. He didn't have anything to eat, and God was going to make sure the prophet was spared. And, you know, we could think of that as being gross. <laughs> Hard to say what he brought him. I don't know. People could think of that as, you know, well, my goodness, that's terrible. There must have been a better solution. Or you could say, no, that was survival. That was awesome. That's an incredible miracle. You can only imagine a child probably having questions from that. That story at the beginning of a day would produce all kinds of opportunity for you to share how miraculous God is in taking care of you. It'll go from the raven to many other things how God will take care of you no matter what. He will never see the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. 
Now, you know, if you quote that scripture to a two-year-old, it probably needs explanation. But you can see how that can go into the spirit that changes a child right from an early age to understand I'm going to put my faith and trust in God because I know he can do it. If he did it in the Bible, he can do it now. That's a mentality, folks. A mentality. While teaching life skills, utilize biblical stories and illustrations. There are teachable moments around everything in life. You're out working in the garden. How, how Daddy, does that potato grow? You got a teachable moment. It's more than just nature that you can teach. You have a God factor that, that you can explain that there's a process God has in how that potato grows. There's teachable moments in everything in life. Oh, I mean, look at the rainbow. Look how pretty the rainbow is. Well, you got a teachable moment. That's not just, well, yeah, that's, that's pretty. No, no, you got, you got an opportunity to explain why there's a rainbow. Okay, there's, there's a teachable moment in life. Don't miss those opportunities by being too busy. They are learning the majority of what they know for the rest of their life. It's crucial. Um, number three, during mealtimes, sharing a prayer of thanksgiving. Uh, it's, it's always obviously good to spend those times around the table having conversation about the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord. Impart a biblical truth while answering the many questions that arise from children. Um, I don't know. I'm sure your kids were no different than ours. There's a lot of whys. Why is this? Why is that? How does this work? How does that work? And uh, I, I get to see it now again with my grandkids and, and conversation that arises out of very unique questions. I'm like, oh my goodness, where did that come from? Kids can come up with Quite the interesting questions. But, you know, in those moments, you can impart a biblical truth through the question. Don't underestimate the ability of the child to learn that powerful word of God at an age-appropriate level as you share it with them. Number five, through the enjoyment of playtime. Involve the blessings of nature in which God created. You can do that outside, obviously, with the things God's created. You can also do it inside. What about kids that are fighting over a toy? You can, you can give the example and the reason why sharing is a good idea. It's a biblical principle. Do unto others as you have them do to you. You can share principles. that They're all through the Word of God. And they can be done through, obviously, the enjoyment of playtime. Number six. In daily devotional time, singing, praying, etc., involves a child in some small way. Um, that's, why, that's why the scripture says to become like a child. It's, it's childlike faith. It's in, incredible. Like a, a child who just loves to play church can get the message across. 
That happened one time in my case. I had taught a woman five years a Bible study. Five years. She never got baptized. Great lady. Wonderful person. Great friend even to today. Five years. Then all of a sudden, one day, she was at our house. My mother was there. My wife was there. And Miranda. Miranda was, I think, seven. Six or seven at the time. Seven, I believe. And Miranda decides she's going to play church. She got out the stool. She got out her Bible. And she's asking questions. Who in here has got the Holy Ghost? Everyone raised their hands except for the one person. Miranda was shocked. She was bigger than Miranda. How is it that you don't have the Holy Ghost? She said, I don't have the Holy Ghost. Bat the idea come up about baptism. No, I'm not baptized. Well, what was interesting is the very next Sunday was the service that Miranda was being baptized. Miranda said to the lady, this is what she said. I can tell you what you need to do. You need to follow me right into that baptismal tank. This is a lady that I taught Bible study for five years and could not get through to. And a child seven years old says, I know what you need to do. Follow me right into that baptismal tank. And what do you know? She did. Now, I don't know if that just tells you how bad of a Bible study teacher I am or a child can lead them. This is, this is how important this information that you're putting into children, grandchildren. I mean, just a simple statement, and I'm so thankful today she's baptized in Jesus' name because a child was able to lead in some small way. Number seven, express the Word of God by being a blessing to someone else. It's incredible how your child, children, grandchildren can learn by watching you be a blessing and using that Word of God to be a blessing to someone else. It could be as simple as someone in need. Listen, don't, don't take what they need yourself. Take the child. Take the grandchildren. Take, let them see what the Word of God does through your life in blessing someone else. They are learning. Learning. While we were in Bathurst, this is many years ago, there was a little girl, she was just, she was in Sunday school, I think she was probably only two or three, and she had a toonie, and they were taking up the Sunday school offering in the class, and they were trying to convince her, because it was given to her to put in the offering, she wasn't too excited about putting it in the offering. And they were trying to convince her that this is, what, this is what God would want. 
And so they said, God would like you to give that. That was given to you to give in the offering. So she laid it out on the table. She laid it in front of her for quite a length of time. And then afterwards picked it up and said, I guess he doesn't want it. <laughs> they are, um, these are little things that obviously they become illustrations. Illustrations of, of how the word of God affects someone's life. You, listen, you take, you take a, a bag or two of groceries to someone in need. And your child, your grandchild is helping you carry. There is nothing more powerful than them being part of an experience to bless someone else. Yeah. Allow the love between you and your spouse to be a teachable moment for the child. Nothing wrong with being kind to each other in front of the children. Nothing wrong with... Holding hands in front of the children. Just kind of looking around. Listen. Um, oh, well, you know, we're, we're just not emotional in front of people. We're, we're, give me a break. Something goes wrong, you'll get emotional. Nothing wrong with giving your wife a little squeeze. In front of the kids. Let them see how important your spouse is. It's important. Okay. Um, we always had this little thing in our house, of course. You know, children are very, very intelligent about who to ask for certain things. You ever notice that? They know who to ask for certain things. They figure it out very quickly. So if they want someone to come over to visit, they know, which, they know which parent to ask. They figure it out. Uh, if, if they're wanting to stop at the store for a treat, okay, they're not asking the one that's on the diet. Okay, they're asking, no. They know very quickly who to, who to ask. Okay, they, they figure it out. They can, they, can, uh, they can sense which one is going to give in. Well, um, when it comes to uh, children, they know if mom and dad are on the same page. They know. And so what would happen at times, even in our home, um, there would be a challenge maybe to mom. There was very few challenges to dad. They knew better than that. Challenges would come to mom. Mom was the soft one. Mom still is the soft one. Bampy's coming, becoming softer with the grandkids, but mom was the soft one with the kids. And so they knew they could push the buttons a little more with mom than they could with dad. And they needed to know very clearly that Mom was here before you were, and mom will be here after you're gone. So nothing's coming between me and mom. So you better hold off on what you're saying, because what you're saying to mom, that's my little woman. 
Listen, I love my kids. Don't get me wrong. But my marriage was not made because of kids. I married my wife first. Boy, it's awful quiet in here. Some people are more connected to their kids than to their spouse. That's, that's not proper. Okay, God put husband and wife together. Kids are the blessing of mom and dad. They are a blessing, but they're the blessing of mom and dad. Make sure it's clear in your house that you support each other more than your children. The children learn this. And not only does it affect them in their years of life, it will affect them when they get married. You don't treat mom right now. You don't treat dad right now. That's the traits they pick up. And they take into their marriage the baggage of how you treated each other. Oh boy. Everyone okay? I only got six more minutes to endure. Number nine, use biblically based educational aids. There's nothing wrong with using ob uh, object lessons or articles or things from the Word of God to help children learn. It's, they're all through the Word of God. Um, and people get, you know, people get caught up in the stories and, and uh, whether they're too gruesome. And Let me tell you. If your child is at all in school, they're seeing more trash every day. I would not worry about the Bible being too gruesome. Cartoons are violent. Games they play are violent. Okay, don't, don't allow that craziness that the Word of God is going to somehow affect their Mental status. No, no, if it's going to do anything, it's going to help them get to where they need to be. Use the biblical aids. There's nothing wrong with that. And number 10, at the end of the day, with a biblical story, prayer, song, or devotion, let their day be ended with um, you taking time again to just give them a calmness of his presence, his spirit, his word, so that they are ending their day. Listen, there's nothing wrong with praying for your child or grandchild to have a good night's rest. Lord, let, Lord, let their sleep be productive. Now be careful. Don't pray for it to be too productive because they'll be up early. I'm just teasing. There's nothing wrong with having a good time of devotion. Let them discuss. Let them ask questions. Well, you know, they're just, they're just doing that to stay awake. Man, they're going to... If they're going to stay awake for any reason, if it's the Word of God, let it be the Word of God. Let it be that you've spent that time with them. Don't worry if they want to pray for the dog. Let them pray for the dog. Okay, who cares? They'll pray for all kinds of things. Okay, they'll, I mean, they'll, they'll pray for people you don't even know. They'll pray for, you know, someone that they saw walking with a cane on the side of the road or something. Don't, don't worry. Let them pray. Let them Take in that time of devotion. God is putting something into their spirit at a very young age. 
This is the biblical training. In the morning, concentration time, activity time, night time. Let it be on their hand, on the frontlets of their eyes, on the doorposts of their house, and on the gates of their house. That means the when and where should be everywhere, all day, as an opportunity to train your children. Mm. Stand, if you would. These are just biblical principles from the Word of God about training. The next two lessons... The next two lessons will be about the individuality of children. And so what happens with the individuality of children is we're all created in God's image, obviously. That's what the Word of God says. But we're not all created the same. And so the whole focus be behind the individuality of children is to shape their will without breaking their spirit. And so that's what the next two lessons will be about respecting uh, yourself. So the first two were respecting and loving God, and uh, the next two are respecting and loving yourself. And we're talking about a love that lasts, something that's going to go through the lifetime of individuals. God, I thank you tonight for every person, God, that's in this small groups class. And, and God, there is, there is no age limit. We know that you know, most of the things that kids learn are by age five, but God, we never stop teaching. We never stop imparting your word and sharing your word. And, and I pray tonight, God, no matter what the age is, there might be a teenager, there might be a young adult, or there might be an older person, God, that's still learning from your word. They may be a, a, a child in the word of God. And I pray, God, that you would allow your power and your presence, your spirit to minister. Help us, Jesus, as parents, grandparents, guardians, acquaintances of children, whatever the situation is, God, to give. Give the best training possible at every opportunity that we have. God, let your blessing be upon your people now. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.